Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Morpheus to my Neo. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Feeling wise. And our and our very own Trinity. That's right. It's Brett. <laughs> Brett, what, who did you want to be? Do you want to be Tank? Yeah, of course. I don't know. Do you want it to be the guy? The, wait, what's, what was the name of the you character the that portrayed them? Yeah, the guy who betrayed no, them. No, no, no. Make me the dude in the, in the third you one. You want to be Joey s- Pants, Cypher. Cypher, yeah. Our very own Joey Pants, because whatever he's in, he's Joey Pants. <laughs> or the dude that's on the screen for 30 straight minutes, and all he does is go like, no, I gotta go give him bullets. And they're like, don't do it. And he's like, no, I have to. Yes. <laughs> I, I forget that guy's name, but that's who I wanted to be. So. Yeah. Well, Eric, no, Eric is a... Uh, Eric's watching. Eric's watching hockey in person right now. So uh, God's Godspeed to him. Twenty-seven dollar uh, beers or whatever. One pledge. One one to one right now. So Eric, we wish you the best. I um in that one. Uh, apparently Jared McCann got hurt by uh by the the Colorado Avalanche. So that, I think that rivalry is going to get even hotter again. And Eric, and Eric is going to be. Dude. The, the one okay something let's, about denver sports man let's get into it all right let's first we got to start off i like you know i guys like to lead with the hot takey stuff right so let's start with the hot takes okay the hot takes uh let's have the dk con- the dk conversation i think kevin i'm gonna let you start it off uh so dk obviously gets a, a pretty bad uh or, or just let's just say like uh DK bad, got a no, really dumb penalty you got a really dumb that's a good word for it you got a really dumb uh uh unsourcing-like conduct penalty in the first quarter uh, pushing. All right, he was. He said he didn't. He, his excuse was so lame. Is like, he didn't hear the ref blow the whistle. The so dog he ate was my walking home. forty yards downfield. Hey, the Pete dog Carroll ate agreed, my homework. So the dog ate go. my. The dog ate my homework of, you know, of football excuses. I would like to put. I would like to take this point to say that uh, I both. Uh, I both kind of kind of hate DK for making that his excuse, and love Pete for backing that stupid excuse. Yeah, yeah it's Pete's hilarious. hilarious. Okay. Pete with uh, he barely touched him. Yeah. Uh, so, so okay, so let's start with this. Um, just the penalty itself. Uh, dumb, dumb, dumb unnecessary. Don't, don't do it. Uh, and like, but it, the, these are just the, those things that he's good for every once in a while. I'd rather him do that than not give a crap. But like. This the, is frustrating. The rest of the discourse around the the shove is the problem it's I have. Dumber. With it. So 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 it's yes. like some it's of like, the dumbest discourse in a very like, very long time. Should we expect DK to to get his head on straight? Is this going to make every game from this point forward harder for him? Probably because teams are going to target him now. They're going to target him with harassment. He's going to get picked on. But they've they already, already been do. doing that. Looking though. Yeah, they they admit people it. know. This people is know. Rough. People know, and it sucks because if he can get his if he can get his head on straight, like yes, the trash talk will continue, but people know they can get under his skin, and it's like a bad a bad position to be in. Uh, but that doesn't mean we should trade him. Honestly, the reason that this we exists, should bench him or something like the reason that. that this exists is because he is in my thirty years of being a somewhat you know, he loves blocking more than any wide receiver ever, like straight up. And so this is the price you pay. Dude, he loves it. He says he is such a bad time. Blo- he's such a bad blocker, Brett. Come on. I don't know. I'm just <laughs> saying he <laughs> loves blocking. I didn't say the as, best. I said he loves it. As three men who know what it's like to love something and not be good at it. I think we can exactly. all appreciate DK. <laughs> yeah, exactly. His dad is an offensive lineman. I always thought like, man, he should just be a better blocker. But like every good block he Go throws is like, is like this one where, where the guy's facing the wrong way or and not playing anymore. <laughs> it's like that's the only blocks that look vicious are these ones. It's like, uh, I, 
I'm for me, it's just yeah. I feel like if he can get if he can get his, his a little more level, he's. A, but this is part of the cycle with DK. You know, he's passionate. Yeah. He cares a lot. This is why he's on our team. This is the kind of guy Pete loves. Pete loves the 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 guys with the the high emotions. He loves the that kind of stuff, and so it's you not know surprising. What you don't hear from team. the people saying to trade DK. You don't hear them talking about Tyreek Hill not supposed Tra- to be in the league. You've Trading made Jake your Bobo. stance on what you actually dog whistle about, like, mm-hmm. and I I don't want to hear it. It's like, bad. He didn't All do anything di- that long term harms other people's lives. He's just too passionate on the football field. And he needs to clean it up so he doesn't get penalties. Yeah. Like, if that's the worst thing about him, I mean, like, I love Gary Payton, and he needed to be quiet a lot of the time. He would he would get teed up because he would be you know, flapping his gums at the other players and it is what it is. And you live and you die with this. You know, uh, we had Felix in town for a long time. He'd get heated and start, uh, you know, trying to, uh, to throw four straight hundred mile hour fastballs and like strike everybody out. Right. And then he'd give up a big home run. Like you deal with it. This is, this the is jarred, the kind of the jarred Kalanick. You know, kick, yeah. a, kick, kick a, kick a, <laughs> Yeah, like, like really you know what? Good for like you're good not for really hurting anything. Good for Jared. He was like the only Mariners player I felt like who really gave a crap at oh, the Paul, time. Yeah, Paul Sawald too, but we traded him. Uh, so, Kyle Raleigh, <laughs> have you heard his comments? Yes, no, Kyle Raleigh there does. Are, there are so very few Jared Kalanick in the front office. Jared Kalanick for ownership. Yeah, there are very few relatable sports injuries. Jared Kalanick, and then when uh, Odell Beckham slammed his helmet on the practice net and it hit him in the face, I was like, he's just like me. <laughs> this is this is a thing that I would do. Yeah, no, I think the yeah, discourse could be is a pro athlete, right? It's I just, think the discourse is super stupid. Now, and like, it's like I don't know. Should we just, should we trade a number one wide receiver no. for for first round picks? Like, that's a different question. Don't How let it be because don't let it be because of this. Okay, that's what I'm gonna to say. Is like if the Bears are like, hey, we'll give you our better pick for DK. You think about it at least, but you don't. But don't trade him because he gets one dumb penalty every three weeks. Right. But that's also BK and his contract for rookie contract Marvin Harrison Jr. Jr. That's the great. The thing is, is that you say that not because of the other stuff. These these trades don't always work. Like, look at what the Titans did. The Titans traded AJ Brown for (laughs) Traylon Burks and uh, um, oh, and Malik Willis. And I'm just going to say Traylon Burks. I'm just saying. There is also. Tra- an I don't, I'm a Traylon Brooks truther. I think he could still be good, but man, that is the worst situation. I think <laughs> this would be more like trading Stefan Diggs for the draft pick that gave you Justin Jefferson. Yeah, hey, if it works out like that, by all means. But I think this is like the biggest self own or self tell of people who just just think about it like fantasy football in quite a while, right? Like it's pretty bad because, like, yeah, like should we should we trade DK because of this? It's like, dude. His catch rate's twenty percent higher, right? Like he's out there, he's contributing, he's playing through an injury, he's like beloved, he's like kind of arguably the face of the franchise in a lot of ways, you know. And it's he I don't know, I'm pretty sure that's department way... store suit Gino, but yeah, <laughs> he changes the way that defense have to play against our team. I uh, like he is such a threat that he changes the coverage scheme against the Seahawks, and that's really important. That's something that you can't. That's yeah. something you can't. Uh, like that's something you have to value. Like if you don't respect the fact you could take the top off of your team at on any given play, right. and you don't uh, you don't respect the fact that he's big enough and strong enough that he can break a tackle on a slant and take it to the yard yeah. on every single play, right. then you cover this team differently. Like right. and and so 
like yeah you have you have to you have to keep that in mind like you're you're definitely getting some boneheaded plays in exchange for um you know some truly special ability yeah well, like yeah that's a that's a great point and like nathan said too you know if you want to have the conversation of hey you know why is dk not as impactful or as good as you know this list of like eight receivers you know we can have that argument sure but it's not nobody like nobody is having that argument you know like i'm not giving people credit because i haven't seen any of that just a bunch of people like yeah we should trade him all he does is run go routes i'm just like what are you talking about dude yeah mm-hmm. so it's yep okay i don't so- know so let's let's uh let's move on to the other hot hot take that's been flying around uh Twitter this week. You guys ready? No, I'm ready uh, should we should we what we're about to build. Should we should we bench Geno Smith? I'm not validating that with any more you words know, than it took me to explain this. You know, Geno <laughs> Smith made some frustrating throws, so what we should really do is put Drew Locke out there. Who never makes frustrating throws ever. I, oh my God, I cannot, I cannot think. Okay. Here's the thing. People are like, well, maybe last year, Geno's and Mirage. We have a lot bigger sample of Geno Smith <laughs> in a Seahawks uniform playing good than we do of Geno Smith in a Seahawks uniform playing bad. And honestly, like if you look at this, if you dig into the stats of this game, it's not that bad. We'll talk about it in a minute. Mm-hmm. It's not that bad of a game to, to go straight from like, <laughs> we lost a frustrating game in Cincinnati and don't worry, we'll get into it for like 20 minutes. Uh, it's a frustrating game in Cincinnati to straight to, Hey, we should, uh, we should bench him for drew lock. Like it's just such a leap. It caught uh, me off guard. I'll be honest. I, I did not think I'm like, what are you? could get dumber. And then I saw that and I went, no, nah, man, I'm good. No way. What the, what the, hell the lack of analysis about? involved in that take is insulting. Um, yeah, it, it really is because, uh, the thing that you could say about Gino is and we made this joke on the on the discord um mr limited i uh, you know holds on to the ball a little too long i uh, he's not he, he's he's capable of picking up some yards but he's not a great runner um you know sometimes when the play breaks down he he ends up getting the sack or he tries to scramble out and he takes a loss like he, he's he's limited that's what keeps him in the jared goff slash uh, Kirk Cousins tier of quarterback like between those two tiers that's where he is because he's not the guy that can go out there and win you every game but Drew Locke literally has a quote about throwing the football <laughs> and then instantly regretting it like when you send a work email that is just a little bit too snarky like this it. dude uh, this dude is <laughs> like like Drew Locke's right arm is the reply all button because you know, sometimes you hit it and you need it, and sometimes you hit it and you didn't mean to. Uh, I might this is, be this the, is problematic. I might be the biggest Drew Locke fan west of the Cascades, honestly, at this point. But even I was, I'm with you, Kevin. I was, like, insulted by this. I'm just like, dude, this fan base just needs to touch grass or whatever the kids are saying. Like, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. hose is fun, but the hose is unreliable. All right, let's get... Let's get into the let's get into the actual game. So let's talk about the offense first. We got to talk about the game plan. So the, the Seahawks obviously decided to change their game plan coming into a, a game against Cincinnati, where they had um, some slightly different personnel available on the offensive line. Uh, Kevin, how did you feel about the game plan uh, coming into this one? Man, I thought there were like two drives of it that were pretty good, but uh, then the rest of the game happened. The first drive, I was like, "Oh wow, we really came mm-hmm. in sh- looking sharp," and then it just got it went downhill from there. 
Yeah, but, uh, I think a big issue was uh, early in the game, Jake Curran, uh, hurt like kind of twists his ankle. And I don't know if you know this, but Jake Curran is barely mobile enough to play right tackle, like barely mobile enough to play right tackle. And then he became less mobile. And that's not the directionality we need for that scenario. And I do think between that and somehow like Haynes practiced so hard at right guard that he forgot how to play left guard, uh, that it really made for an ugly O-line situation. And once Cincinnati figured that out, they figured out because for the first uh, for the first drive, part of it was their DBs were giving us a little cushion. They were respecting the uh, the ability for us to kind of take the top off and it was giving us some underneath stuff. And then they were like, oh, no, we just have to be able to like cover for about two and a half seconds and then Geno Smith is going to have somebody in his face. And that's what happened. Geno Smith got pressure on almost half of his dropbacks. That's yeah. too many. So I never thought I would say this. Like, this is such a grandpa take and um, I'm sorry in advance, but like we should have ran more. Mm-hmm. like the the strength the of run blocking the, was better the run blocking was yeah. okay i as i rewatched, i was like dang bradford was cooking in the run game and we yeah. did not run enough 73 offensive plays only 53 throws and like you said kevin uh phil haynes really struggled at left guard did we do you think we started the right combination of offensive linemen should we have demoted like phil haynes to backup in this game and gone with a different combination because like before the, the game, more I, th- I wouldn't have thought so. I would not have thought that Phil Haynes was going to struggle that much. And I could see why the coaching staff wouldn't have thought so either. He's played quality snaps at left guard in the NFL. And like this game, he was just like, nah, dog, I ain't feeling it. I've been playing too much right guard lately. Yeah, the last couple of years, you guys have really driven home the point that it seems like there's just some players who cannot play injured at all. Like they just fall off a cliff. And I think like we can say that Phil Haynes is probably that dude. Cause yeah, he had a bad game and it's like, Ferrari you just need, yeah, I mean, maybe you just got to take those dudes out. You know? I mean, I don't know, but it's, yeah, it was. Cause I do think like, okay, cross was back and I do think it affected our game plan because yeah. cross comes back and they were like, Hey, we don't have to put two tight ends in the backfield yeah, anymore. We, were trying, we don't we have were trying to do, to hug it. we don't have to do any of this goofy stuff. We can play like normal football, but I do not think this offensive line was prepared for that or was good at that. And I do think like a combination of like, if we went cross, Brown, Olu, Bradford, Curran, which we're stuck. We're just stuck with Curran. Uh, the I think that offensive line might have performed better though than the one that we we put out there with Haynes. Ev, Evan Brown looked good at guard when we he got moved, and Olu looks. I don't think he looks as good as Brown. I think Brown is a really good offensive lineman. Like the signing Olu of the offseason better at center than Haynes did at left guard, though. You are correct. Correct. Like the the, the drop off is not enough to justify uh, what what we put out there, and I do think. Like on, on some level, like what happened was this was the offensive line we practiced with this week. You know, this, yeah. is, what we, this is what we practiced with this week. And this is how what we had to throw out. There was no there's no room for adjustments. And I do get it. Like you really want your protections to be set and stuff like that. The running backs did also did a bad job helping in this game worse than they have in the past. Uh, K9 put in like uh, his one of his worst run uh, pass blocking game of the season. And so it's hard to tell on stuff like that, like how much of that's him and how much of that's Gino calling the protection. Right. Because mm-hmm. those those things can be can be super, super rough. So and Gino right. doesn't duck it, but Gino will always say it's him, which is that that's one of those things where it's hard to take because, you know, you're like, OK, someone will ask, you know, like, hey, what happened on this? Like the DK interception um, where DK kind of stopped the route. Both DK and Gino were like, that's completely on me. And you love to see that. Good good job feeling accountable. That's why we have, to, that's why we have to trade. 
Why do we have to trade both of them, Kevin? Yeah, we have to bench, bench Gino yeah, and trade DK. <laughs> we're three and three. But, we're in the where if the playoffs started today, I think we're in actually. No, three and two. Sorry. Right. We're three and two. I think if the playoffs started today, we're in. NFC uh, is bad as predicted on this yeah, very podcast. It's so bad. So the Eagles are, are are good, maybe. I don't know. They just lost a pretty tough one in the last game. Uh San Francisco lost a tough one as well. Like at that I think like you, you, you see stuff like that and you're like, okay, are the Lions the the <laughs> Yeah, I mean the best team. And, and we, beat we beat the Lions them. in Detroit. So, and then you look at and then you look at who's the best non-conference leader, and you're like, there like, ain't a, there ain't any way in hell it's the Packers or the Falcons okay. or the Saints. So it's got to be either the Seahawks or the Cowboys. Okay, so yeah, you're, so we're right there. The NFC South is going to have a champion, right? Like the it's gonna the Buccaneers, <laughs> Falcons, Saints. One of these teams making the playoffs, and then Playoff quarterback one, Desmond Ritter, and then one one of those. Oh my gosh, I <laughs> I thought the tape wasn't that bad last year, but everything I watch this year, he's worse. He's so much worse. We, he we regressed. Don't, we don't put up the video of this, but for those of you listening, uh, Nathan gagged. When I said that, I was with you, Nate. I was like, dude, this guy can be all right, and he has been the opposite of anything. Do you know what the? Do you know what they should do? Do you know what they should do? Is this is the team that should be killing themselves to trade for Kirk Cousins? Because if the Falcons had Kirk Cousins, they would be six and zero. Okay, like they 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 are being dragged into the the mud by this dude. Okay, but that's what I'm saying is one of these teams is going to make the playoffs. The Rams, the Commanders, yeah. the Falcons, the Saints, the Packers. Like these teams are terrible. terrible. If we, we we are we are going to we have the driver's seat to a wild card spot. Um, and you know if the 49ers keep picking up injuries, we might be able to compete in the division as well. It's this loss should not be as discouraging as I've seen the discourse around it. Like the the Bengals are good. The Bengals don't suck. Like they, their yeah. defense has no. come back around. Joe Burrow's actually dealing. This is not the Bengals team that couldn't throw it at the beginning of the year. Yeah, and Joe Joe Burrow's dealing, and we held him to 185 yards and 5.29 yards per attempt. Like, one of the one of the ten worst performances of his entire career. Which like, which, dude? I mean, he's he's pretty clearly the, the second best quarterback in the NFL, right? Joe Burrow. Yeah. Oh no, no. Top five's an easy Absolutely. argument though. Top five. Top five, but sure. I would say I would say number one right now, Tua. Fair enough. Okay, fine. So yes, but but <laughs> yeah, he's in the top five. Number two, as, Tua? Okay. He's in the top as, five. As and the, the defense that everybody, you know, loves to crap on, right? The Seahawks defense. Oh yeah, they're no good. Yeah, you're right. Like, dude, what did they have? Forty yards in the second half? Like they that, did nothing. It's yeah. I, I don't I don't know. So it's it's crazy. Uh, we'll get to that defense. Can I can I can I ask you like one 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 question? Uh, would you <laughs> gun to your head? Gun to your head. Everything on the line. Who would you rather? Who would you rather? Uh, has to quarterback one drive to win the game for you. Team neutral. Teams are the same. Desmond Ritter or Zach Zach Wilson. With a gun. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> come on, dude. They need to lead the game winning uh, touchdown drive. Desmond Ritter, because I don't. I, I guess. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, don't know. I, I think I might pick Zach Wilson, dude. At least he's gonna try. That's okay. fine. But anyway, number one quarterback to a number two Patrick Mahomes. So let's go. Let's okay, go ahead and let's go ahead and uh, get back to the offense, though. Okay, let's talk about Geno's day. Tough day. I do like that they worked the 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 short middle of the field. Nine for ten, ninety three yards. We were really good in that section, but this. This game shows exactly what we've talked about before. Gino, when he has time to process and time to work, is amazing. On dropbacks where he was kept clean, 19 for 24, 
with 244 yards and uh, both interceptions. But but we're not. <laughs> but those throw, those throws so, were. And I will uh, say the the one where DK stopped the route. I don't I don't dislike that interception because I want my quarterback throwing with anticipation. He anticipated it. Something happened. There's a miscommunication. Whatever. Like that's that's a very forgivable interception to me. Uh, just not seeing Mike Hilton undercutting a route. Uh, that was a Tough. little more rough. It was Jackson Smith the Jigba was in kind of a slow developing route. And if uh, Gino would have thrown it earlier in the route when he was crossing, like right when he was around the right hash, it would have been a, a catch and run. It had been really nice. But instead, they waited until he kind of curled the route up toward the pylon. And by the time Gino threw it, uh, like Hilton was in a trail position where it would have had to gone perfectly over Hilton's head and like under the state, like he just threw, he was just like, was like, Hey, I, I am not going to take this clearly open throw. I'm going to do the hard mode throw instead. Yeah. Nobody that watched that play would say that Hilton jumped the route. He was just kind of loafing around there. So yeah, that was under a, using good trail good. under pressure. The ball though. Just underthrown, man. Sucked. <laughs> Under pressure yeah. on tw- under pressure on twenty two dropbacks eight for eight for seventeen eighty two yards four point eight yards per attempt just a terrible terrible time under pressure Gino under pressure just loses the ability to process um, and here's here's the thing uh, under not under pressure time to throw two point five one seconds it's not even the pressure gets to him so fast and then he tries to extend the play because his time to throw under pressure was three point five nine seconds. Yep. He, he's trying he's trying a little too hard. He needs to have a timer in his head that goes off at three seconds that says throw the ball away. Or if it's fourth down at the end of the game, maybe we just throw a pass to someone. That play was infuriating, but real quick, <laughs> I agree with everything that was, that you said. That was the most Geno play, though. To just be yeah, like yes, back there, drop back, and just like just n- decide not to throw the balls. Like, oh, him whiffing so, the block so, and Geno choosing not to throw it was the perfect end of the game. I agree with what you said, but at the same time, I think the pressure in this game was like, for the most part, was unmanageable compared to, you know, like a lot of a lot of games. I thought he was basically like under siege instead of, you know, like, yeah, Gino's slower processing led to the pressure getting there in most in most cases. In this game, it was just like the man just right after the snap. Right. Like, boom, like dudes in his face. And it's like uh, pressure rate on. would be I'm going to put a uh, parental guidance, parental guidance. I'm sorry. Advice, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, uh, a but, episode but, is, uh, yeah. is never to be uh, never They're to crap. be uh, tamped down or drawn back. Um, the, the, I, the I'll just on my boy, man. Since since week one of last year, the running so back, the running backs out, blocking were pressure, not good. He was too. eight for seventeen against the blitz. He was eight for eleven. He was not getting pressured every time he was blitzed because we had some good hot route things working. Um, so it was more about when the protection would break down against like a four man rush. And that was I think a you lot guys of are, quick pressures we saw. I'm going to be honest. I think you guys are blaming Curran too much. Like he was bad. Yes, seven pressures allowed. But Phil Haynes allowed four. Anthony Bradford allowed three. Charles Cross allowed four. Evan oh, Brown yeah, allowed two. The whole line played bad. It was not just like a Jake Curran problem. Um, it was an everyone problem. And Oh, sorry. At the end if of the I didn't day, illustrate I, enough that we had bad line play across the board, I, I would like to now state that it was really bad. I was just specifically I, blaming Curran on the last play where it was him. If there's one thing that that uh, um, sorry, if there's one thing that Agent Three has taught me, sacks are a quarterback stat. Okay, 100%. and so at the end of the day, like all this pressure, Gino is responsible for a lot of it. Okay, and and. 
you know, Joe, like Joe Burrow, we see it on his side of the field. He was able to basically negate the pressure by just getting rid of the ball in one second. Yes, their offense looked like a clogged toilet for other reasons, which we'll talk about later, but it was not because of the pressure. The pressure was just okay. The other stuff, spoon, we'll talk about, we'll talk about it in like 30 seconds. So I'm just going to like go red zone. We got to talk about red zone, offensive red zone. Very bad. One for five. Short conversation. Uh, uh, we're dominant between the 20s, actually. This is the best between yep. the 20s offense in the NFL, according to WPA. Uh, the problem is that we can't finish drives. What do you guys think it is about the way the field condenses in the red zone that makes it so difficult for the Seahawks to get through? Uh, Brett, you want to go first because I have a little longer. I don't I don't know if I even have if I even have much. I just chalk it up to variance, but we do seem to just kind of just kind of lobotomize the play calling in the, you know, in the red zone. So yeah, I'm going to let Kevin uh, enlighten me here. I think there's likely an issue with predictability that defensive coordinators seem to know what we're doing in situational football because it's third downs and it's red zone play. Those are two situations where you have a pretty good idea of what the offense is aiming for. And I don't think we're running uh, a high enough variation of uh, routes or offensive play calling in those situations to keep the the defensive like to keep the defense um like guessing uh if you look a lot of our routes on third down are beyond the sticks a lot of our routes in the red zone especially inside the 10 yard line are into the end zone um we had a lot of yak issues from our receiving core over the last few years and it seems like the play calling this year is designed for hey our guys can't break a tackle anyway so we always have to throw them to the yardage we need and the coverage is mm-hmm. like is is dialed up corresponding to that. I think that's why JSN's gotten so many third down throws because his routes have been before the sticks. But the issue with that is if he's covered, then it's like check down to DJ Dallas. Oh yeah, DJ Dallas can't break tackles. Like I mean, it, most it of our yak like, kind of so. disappointing things. Another thing too, I think is that what, what, so you say like, there's nothing to keep the defense honest when we're in the red zone, but what, what keeps them honest in the rest of the field, the threat of the deep ball, right? The threat of the deep ball keeps defensive honest against us because DK and Tyler, these guys can just destroy you on deep passes. So you have to stay honest. um, Even if you expect a certain thing, when the field is condensed and you can use the, the the baseline or the, uh, the end zone end of the end zone as another defender, it's uh, it's hard. It's a lot harder. It gets harder for us. I do think that we need to get creative in the red zone and start really mixing it up because if we don't, uh, this is good. The struggles will continue. Like Kevin said, we're too predictable in the red zone. People, yeah. people obviously have a good idea what we're going to do, and there's no threat of the deep ball to kind of force them to play a more honest brand of defense. I have yeah, a solution. Char- oh, what's up? Charbonnet. Is it Charbonnet? Because I, I think Charbonnet I, and no. Walker are both no. uh, as a, as a passing threat. Um, like those little like flag routes and stuff that sure. running backs do. I think putting either Circle of them routes. out there, uh, like because you want a guy who can you break guys, a tackle, those two guys can just ruin a tackler's entire day. You guys are close, but why not just trade for Jimmy Graham again? Okay, you're done. All right, uh, <laughs> Brett, thanks for showing up. You're gonna we're gonna keep you out Very of here. defense. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Okay, uh, defense, let's get to it. This secondary, now that we've seen the, the complete version. The final version. This is the we've assembled Vol- oh, Voltron. This good. is this is the dopest secondary. Yes. Okay. Trey Brown. Trey Brown. Rules. Devin Witherspoon. Yep. Rules. rules. <laughs> Quandre Diggs. Rules. 
Jamal Adams rules. Michael Jackson in like 10 snaps game rules. Tariq Woolen rules. I love them all. Love them all. I love my boys. These are the we best. Lived, we live long <laughs> enough to say that Tyreek Woolen is our third best cornerback. So yeah. Reek Woolen. He got targeted 10 times in this game for six receptions. You know, it's like that. He had the, the, the toughest day. I'm going to put that should, in quotes. Should uh, we trade him? No. You know, <laughs> okay. So one thing I love is that before the season started, we, we said, okay, you know, Witherspoon's going to play some in the slot, but when we when we play with three cornerbacks, he will play in the slot. But when we play with two, he won't. And that's what happened in this game. It was very satisfying to be right. <laughs> Just want you guys to know that me and Kevin yep. were all over that one. Uh, Absolutely, <laughs> Kevin and I were were all over that one, and that that was like one of our big things was that it's fine because Witherspoon is unique. He got a pressure in this yep. game. He batted down a pass. He had the, he had a run stop. He can play in the slot and affect the game a lot in the same way that a guy like. Jamal Adams can, and now we can use these interchangeable pieces to play games up front. Uh, the secondary is just incredible. It's a Pete Carroll secondary to the max. Just guys who can hit, guys who know how to play football. He's I'm a Brown, I'm in Trey love. Brown getting an interception every other game so far this year. He's he's great. He's great. He's just great. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got targeted twice. No no receptions. Well, he got a pass breakup and an interception on the two times he was targeted. I'm about to say I like, beg to differ. Is, there was a reception. That's game. It was that's his. gaming. That's game. That's big game right there by Trey Brown. Big game, Trey Brown. I love it. He plays so hard, you know, and it's 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 nice to see. I don't like one thing I like about this is he is the kind of guy I don't want to overexpose. So like having him in this more limited role is nice. I think it's a good fit for him is that he's like the third cornerback, but he plays on the outside, which is his more natural position. It really works for me. Uh, I mean, you were, you know, in the offseason and early we were saying for the defense to take the leap, you know, one or multiple players need to, you know, ascend, right? And if Trey Brown's that dude, I mean, having yeah, like having that secondary, like this, like that's enough for a, me. We have a real good it. chance of having four more interceptions from like four or five defensive backs with this unit, and that's gross. Mm-hmm. This 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 secondary unit held the Cincinnati Bengals, Joe Burrow, who looked back to full strength, T. Higgins, T. Higgins. Uh, Jamar Chase, these guys, these guys, <laughs> these are. This is a really Sorry, after potent the, after the broadcast attack, on though. Sunday. I thought that was required to be said after someone says T Higgins. Yeah, I, I mean, you're 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 correct. We got I the checks in the mail actually for that. Thanks, Kevin. I forgot it. If I if I didn't say it, we don't get the check. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just this secondary at full strength is the best secondary in football. It really is. It's the mm-hmm. best secondary in football. And so now what we got to hope is that we can find a way to build on that success. Either the defensive line can take a small step forward um, and look like they did last week because this week they were not as good. And Cincinnati has been a defensive on offensive line that has been up and down this year. So I had high expectations, you know, not 11 sacks, high expectations, but somewhere between three and 11, you know, uh, and only nine pressures. I thought we could have done more there. And it, it, so I think that was the biggest thing I would have liked to see more, you know, but you can't say the defense, you can't really pick on a defense too much. They gave up 19 points to the Cincinnati. I'm going to say this, keep saying this Cincinnati Bengals with Joe Burrow. Still playing great against the run straight up. Yeah. They are. So that's actually my number one thing I wanted to address is Bobby Wagner. Okay, I do not want Bobby Wagner to drop into coverage 34 times. 
Figure I don't want him to drop into coverage once. Figure something else out. <laughs> he's really good. He's really good in the run game. He's actually really good brushing the passer too. He's Bingo. shockingly incredible. I mean, I always knew he was pretty good at it, but he never did it Very a lot. Efficient. This game he rushed. This game he rushed the passer six times and looked. Of, like I was kind of track. I'm trying to keep track of what he was doing while I'm watching. That's like one of the things I'm doing right now. And so when I'm when I'm rewatching, and I was like, dang, every time he rushed the passer, like he is affecting the play. And so I, I like that the Rams gave him a bunch of money so he never has to care about football again. And then we're like, hey, do you guys want to see how you should play this guy if he wants to come back uh, with you? And we're like, sure. And then that's exactly what we did. And it's like, cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. So 30 great investment. That's paid 30, off. 34 coverage snaps is too many. They need to find a way to either get Jordan Brooks or or Devin Bush or someone involved um, more in the in the uh, like the the pass coverage situation as opposed to Bobby. You know what I will say about uh, about our pass rush, though was uh we had three sacks and like Jeremy Reed's sack was good but boy mafe yeah he's so his good. sack was one of those like mm-hmm. no chance he just they we over we uh we put Jordan Brooks over on the side there and that was a lot of speed coming off of that edge and they just had no chance it collapsed the entire left side of their offensive line or right side of their offensive line and mafe was on burrow before he really even had a chance to look up and gauge the pass rush those are those kinds of sacks that you love seeing. Uh, same with Draymond. Draymond basically just knocked a dude on his butt, jumped over him, and mauled Joe Burrow. Those are those kinds of like instant, you can't adjust to it as a quarterback, really. The pressure is on you, and you just kind of have to eat the ball-type sacks that um, that you want to see because that means that your pass rushers are just straight up winning like the one-on-one battle. And right. if you can get a couple of those a game... Like the other ones, you know, they'll happen, especially against quarterbacks that aren't as good at getting the ball quickly. Like those are the ones where you're like, oh, man, we got some horses. Sometimes both of those things align and you face Daniel Jones. So and you get 11 sacks sacks all all like that, where you're just like, dang, he got there that fast. Okay, yeah, that's rare. The the Brooks thing, I do think his legs are not his legs are not totally back yet. Mm-hmm. He, he just needs more time to get to get back to full strength. We saw this with with Diggs last year, where by the way, Diggs led the team in tackles with eight in this game, and I thought had um, what is almost definitely his best performance of the season. So that that's that was nice. It seems like he's finally as the secondary is improving, he's improving, which I think is like, is kind of who he is at this. I was going to say, can I coin a term? I want to start calling Quandre Diggs the force multiplier. Because, like, all he does is uh, <laughs> increase the, the percentage of output um, of yeah. whatever the secondary is. So if our when secondary se- is doo-doo, yeah. he's, like, 130% doo-doo. But if our secondary is, like, really good, then he's, like, 130% all-star. Yeah, he's super good as long as – when things are going right, he's he's the best. And when things are, are going uh, eh, then he's – Mr. Winmore. Yeah. <laughs> I don't mind it though, because I'll be honest. Like no, I want great. the defense. To, I want the defense to play good. So if the defense is playing good and he's good, that's fine. That's what. Get all I mean, over that you toxic cliff. You cannot say that about all players. I mean, our div- our defense was playing great, and Daryl Taylor was just kind of doing his thing. So yeah, I, I don't I know. Don't about know da- I don't know about Daryl Taylor at this point. I might be just done I with just, him. If I can make one more it's point, too, it's too bad because you can see this. Yes. You can see the skill, and you know he has one of those little hammers next to his name. Of course, oh, of course, because you saw hand. you saw that thing at Tennessee where he was cussing out the 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 other. It's, you know, so it's like, yeah, that guy, that guy had definitely has a little hammer to it. But I just, I don't think he's a perfect fit for what we're trying to do, or even 
I don't know. He's just a tweener. He's just a tweener in yep. the NFL in general. Kind of seems just, like it. Just kind of a guy who doesn't quite like if he was 285 pounds, I think he would he would last, you know. Mm-hmm. But at 255, he doesn't quite have the the athleticism to be like that dude on the edge. And it's so his skill set in LJ Collier's body. Oh god! Actually, his his if you could just keep everything the same, but just give him LJ's size, he'd be he'd be goaded. He'd be so awesome. <laughs> yeah, he'd he, he play a different position. But like, I think Derek Hall is like the what we wished Daryl Taylor was. Derek yes. Hall, he's bursty. Mm-hmm. Every time he's on the field, you're like, whoa, this guy really gets gets around the edge. Really, he's really getting after it. And then Taylor, it's like he's just like the. What's going to happen is by the end of the year, Taylor's going to be getting twelve snaps, and yep. Hall's going to be getting thirty, and that they're, they're just, just gonna, their roles. My are father of the screen. year mug. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, any other defensive okay. notes before we move over to the specialist of teams? Uh, not so much about the defense, but just like really quick, the Seahawks as a whole, with all the offensive line injuries, all of the secondary having to get back into health. I mean, this team is tenth in DVOA, ninth in offense. Right? I mean. Sky is far from falling uh, to me. That's all I want to throw out. Whoa. I was surprised too. I was kind of like, "Dang, really?" But I mean, all of this, all that going on, and they're still mm. they're still doing that. You so. want you want some uh, DVOA stats? Because I bought the I bought the pr- the nice. pre- premium sure. premium DVOA. You want you want okay. that? And then I got one more thing before uh, the Seahawks. The, the Seahawks are seventh in pass DVOA. They're thirteenth in rush DVOA. They're so on offense on defense. This is the thing that's impressed me the most. It's because their DVOA and defense has gotten better every week. After week one, we were like 32nd. Now we are the number one rush defense in the NFL. Okay. Which is which, you know, watching the team, right. you probably expect. You probably be like, okay, yeah, that is the best rush defense in the NFL. But we're now up to we were we were 32nd after week one in pass rank. Uh, we are now 24th. Okay, so yeah. we are working our way up the pass rankings. I think by the end of the season, you're going to see this is going to be a pretty middle of the road pass defense and a number one rush defense, which is definitely something you can hang your hat on. Uh, yep. That That is something that you can count on. The question will be, can the offense be consistent enough, especially in the red zone, because we are getting killed in the red zone. And on third downs. We to still win, suck on third to downs. Win, to win import, important games. Yeah. Because that's the problem right now is that I don't. I think we're going to beat up on the bad teams. We'll talk about Arizona in a second. I think we're going to beat up on the bad teams, especially after that Rams loss. I don't think there's any anyone on the schedule we won't take seriously after that, right? Yep. That's that was like a wake the wake up call they kind of needed. And this maybe this is a secondary wake up call that this team needed. That hey, like we have to do something against these really good teams uh, to mm-hmm. to do it anyway. Um, uh, so my last teams. little point because I was looking at it during the game and it stood out, and I want to double check the stats afterwards. We only had three missed tackles. Um, like, that's been a bit of a problem. And I think a big thing that's adding to that, uh, Jordan Brooks getting his legs back under him a little more, and Jamal. Jamal's in on every tackle. Like, that's just how he plays. And so having Jamal and Spoon kind of flying around makes it so that we have, like, you're you're out on an island trying to make a tackle a lot less often, which means there's a lot fewer chances to step through. Like, there were a couple of plays this game where somebody had a guy down around the legs and maybe he was going to step through, but somebody's able to get over there and get into the ground before that can happen. And that's what would have been a missed tackle before. Yeah. I, when you guys want to hear something uh, really interesting, a really interesting stat I picked up off the DVOA. I couldn't figure out how to fit it into the podcast. I just wrote it on my note sheet and hoping I'd find a plot, but I didn't. Uh, when we're winning, we have, we play the fastest pace in the NFL, 25.2 seconds per play. I do oh, think there's something to, there's something too like we need to slow it down a little bit 
run run a few more um because that that is uh that is it does seem like our running game has no desire to control the clock which is very different than what people have said pete carroll does it's very (laughs) it's very unpeat all right let's talk about the arizona cardinals uh this is a team you can't take for granted but they are not good they are very especially especially on defense this is a defense but lacking talent this is a defense that the seahawks should absolutely torch okay there is no reason that we who is the best pass rusher on the Cardinals. I don't think I could name a right. pass rusher on the Cardinals, my friend. Yeah. What Eric, can you can you can you Kevin name the best pass rushers on the Cardinals? Did you the look at the best pass rushers or the pass rushers who have the most sacks? Because well, the pass rushers, how about this? Uh, the so pass they, rushers who are kind playing of manufacturing some who are playing the best right now. Yes. Uh pass rushers are playing the best for them. So I uh, they have I uh, this dude I uh, I think it's like Demukije or Demukije or I don't know how to say his name. Victor Demukije from a sixth round draft pick out of Duke. Yes. And I remember scouting him and being like, this is a, this is, this is like a, a late round, like situational, like, like he'll, he'll, He's, he'll come in and out for a few things here and there. Yep. Like he plays about, he plays about 50% of their snaps. And then there, uh, Dante there are other Stills is like a an, is like a three tech out of out of West Virginia that like really shouldn't be providing a lot of interior pass rush. And if he's in there, he should be getting run at really bad. Like so they've got like they're, they, they're manufacturing they, some pass rush. They have they another edge con- defender. They have another edge defender with four sacks. His name. Uh, he is a two hundred and thirty two pound edge defender. UDFA out of Sioux Falls. Yeah, okay. Dennis Gardeck. Did he play in the XFL? Dennis, and if so and if not, why not? Dennis Gardeck. Hey, it's it's Gardeck season, baby. That this is this is the Cardinals Bobo, by the way. They just uh, they, okay. we the answer is Dennis no. Gardeck. He has okay. been on Arizona's practice squad since 2018. So he's their Tyler Mayberry then? Just giving him just giving him some so, room for a feel good. I have a question that really he's, quick. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me give you the Gardeck story because I actually read a a human okay. interest feature by by the on the Athletic about Dennis Gardeck, and it's like this guy is like a team legend kind of guy. He's like okay. a bobo. He's like a bobo. Basically, like right. every story about him is like seems like a meme that someone's making up, but it's like true. Basically. He was like a special teams guy, and then he someone got injured, and he plays hard, and he's not scared, and he's he's doing so good, and he got two sacks in a game once, and it's like it all the stories about him, and then like oh well when when uh when Rob Rodriguez was at Arizona State, he would show people Dennis Gardeck tape because he's so impressive with his technique, even though he's two hundred and thirty pounds defensive end or whatever, and it's it's um it's. It's fun. It's cute. But like at the end of the day, Charles Cross should turn this guy into fine, fine dust. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that he plays for the worst, for the worst uh, organization in football and has to pay for his own meals. Let's not forget that. I just want to know where the car, where the car about that. And then the article comes out each year about like how cheap ownership is. And I just think about the movie major league. (laughs) Yep. I just want to know. And and you guys probably help me. Were the Cardinals in a competition with the bears to see who could feel the, the worst, group in the nfl because bears wide receivers before the dj more trick and and the cardinals uh defensive line they're they're right there man 
for the worst group in the NFL. They're, 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 this, it's, so this, this, this team is not good. They, so on the bright side, I love, I love, I love Josh Dobbs. Yeah. I was going to say wasted Josh Dobbs season. Just going just gonna to throw that out Thanks, there. Cardinals. I'm so happy that he'll probably get like a, like a mid range contract this off season. Cause he totally deserves it. Uh, I love that. He's a rocket scientist. Yeah. I was going to say he doesn't even need it, dude. He could go launch rockets if he wanted to. Yeah. And he's playing for the freaking Cardinals. Like, Josh Dobbs is, Josh Dobbs is cool. He lacks, he lacks, um, he does not lack in talent, just in eyebrows. So yeah, other than that, <laughs> other than that, I don't know. This guy's he's, it, I love it. I love yeah. I kind of love that they're they're scrappy and they're underdogs and that they're just trying to lose every game. They they're they're fun. It's they're fun. doing a great job of it because they are pretty putrid. Uh, so they're um, they're players with the most coverage snaps. Um, oh, oh no! Can we? Marco can we Wilson not... has the no. most coverage snaps on the team. He'll probably end up against DK because he's the only person relatively similar in size. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, Marco Wilson's claim to fame is he's the guy who threw the shoe in the University of Florida game. Uh, that cost him the win. Uh, he's he, he's good for like a mental lapse a game. Um, Pass, that that could get quarterbacks. Bad. Quarterbacks throwing to, at Marco Wilson so far I this year are completing seventy nine point five percent of their passes. Nice. Uh, and so and what if you're you, telling and, me is wait, that wait, we won't... wait wait let me tell you something, Brett. So passers mar- targeting Marco Wilson are completing seventy nine point five percent of passes, but he's not alone in that. As an Arizona Cardinal, no. Kytrell Clark, who plays across from him, passers who who target him are completing a seventy five point eight percent of their passes. But wait, you think he might be alone in that? No. Safety Kayvon Wallace, when targeted, is allowing seventy two percent of the passes to be completed. And you might think he's alone in that, but wait, Kaiser White, their linebacker, has been targeted twenty six times, and eighty point eight percent of his passes have been completed. And uh, it just keeps going. Jalen Thompson, 76.5%. Every single player in their secondary. It's like, uh, as a team, their passing percentage allowed is 77%. This should be an offensive get-right game. I've seen enough Pete Carroll coaching uh, performances to know that this means we're going to run it uh, 57 times and throw it about eight times. I mean, their their run defense is not good either. Just to establish our dominance. Oh, we'll Uh, win doing that. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying. I I will also point out uh, Josh Dobbs has, according to PFS metrics, four big time throws to nine turnover worthy plays. He has six fumbles on the year. Their running backs are living on the yards after contact. The right side of their offensive line with Paris Johnson and Will Hernandez is passable. The left side I of the offensive pa- line Paris is Johnson. dirt. Paris Johnson, I underrated you. I, I disrespected you in the pre-draft process, and I apologize. You are actually pretty good. But also your Not starting like left guard plays like dog water. Um yeah. like we should yes. like uh like Draymond Jones, uh this could be his big like breakout game that we all want to see. Um, like this could be again a pass rush get right game. This could end up looking very similar. And I mean, at the end of the day, Paris Johnson is still a is still a rookie offensive tackle. He's he's gonna real make quick. If this is if this is a game where we don't dominate, but it's because we gave Jaron Reed some rest, or you know, we gave player like that's that is a okay with me. If we get up know? ten and just sit on their chest, that's like yeah, exactly that's yeah. Uh, all right, let's like, get put to, Bobo out there. Let's get anyway, to sorry, let's get to scores. I'm gonna go 28 17. I thought you said rest our starters, Kevin. What do you got? 28 <laughs> 28 17 for me, Kevin. What you got? Um, I will go with uh 31 21 Seattle. I was gonna say 35 17, so 
All right. Uh, there are many ways to support the Seahawks Nest podcast. The best way to do so, patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Check out me and Brett talking after it, every game. This one, that podcast swears are allowed. Yeah, uh, uh, which is why Brett maybe is maybe he's off his yeah. game on this one. Uh, thank you to those who support the show. Uh, do it all for the Tucci, Emmanuel, Andy, Cooper, Evan, Flocktimus, Gavin, James, Joes, Joshua, Lucas, Malcolm, Ryan, Sam, uh, Sebastian, Terrence, Timothy, Tom, Astro, Bla- Blake, Casey, Daniel, David, Feet Me on Rye, Fools, Jay, Luke, Michelle, Mike, Mike, <laughs> Noah, Poops, Loomis, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, and of course, Chip. Okay. Uh, you think Poops Loomis is related to Dr. Loomis from Halloween? Yes. No, no, also, but... I did not hear my name, so yeah, sad. You, you didn't. Yeah. Rest in peace, Brett's Patreon <laughs> account. Right. Account uh, 20, 2017 to twenty thirteen or I don't gotta know. have a bank account with more than seven dollars in our, it, or a credit our, card with more than uh, seven dollars available our, in credit. Our oldest Patreon know. now. Do you want to know who our oldest Patreon is? Is it your no, mom? Because it, it because it was me until I screwed up the nope. uh, the credit card thing. My mom is my mom is not Patreon anymore. Uh, you haven't noticed I stopped saying her name? She her, her credit card got canceled and then she just never updated it. Uh Josh A. Josh oh, A nice. has been a Patreon since October 12th, 2016. Michelle is second, December 17th, 2016. Dang, I don't even know third, we had third most, back then. Kevin Garber. <laughs> yep. Then Tom. Tom has been in there since July 6th, 2017. This is a long time. You guys have been correct. Edgar Double, Russell, Dean, uh Flocktimus, Lucas, David. These guys, these guys have all been in here. I could stop getting my crap Nick, canceled on me. Nick, Mike, Mike, Matt. These are all people that were 2019 or earlier. So respect to you guys. We Thank love you. Job. Thank you for supporting the show. All we right. We have suffered through some Seahawks duds with us. So we appreciate that. <laughs> okay. This week we're going to – oh, and by the way, Washington Fish Quest, Blake, check him out. YouTube. It's great. Good stuff. Okay. Um, the movies – this week we're doing movies directed by female directors – Brian, your keyboard is so loud. I just want you. To- I'm sorry. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I just want to know what switches. Okay, we gotta talk about this. This is the time. What sure. switches you got in there? What you got in there? Uh, he actually it- took these- the switches out of an ice maker in a fridge and put them on. His- <laughs> <laughs> so these are actually not the loudest switches that I have. This is actually my very first mechanical keyboard. It is 13 years old. These are just some basic uh, cherry reds. I can I got- type on the blues if you want. No, it's uh, good. And- it's good. I'm just okay. making. I'm just giving you crap. They are. It is really loud. But this is my new keyboard. What do you think, Brett? I love it. It's you sent me that link, and it was a, beautiful. It's, it's a, my baby it's right a, here. It's an it's an NES themed keyboard. Look at check out this. It came with these this these giant buttons, and you can Ooh, you like can program that. them to do, put whatever you want. So for me right now, this button is Control C, and this button is Control V. Which there you go. <laughs> which you I think is pretty fun. I've been meaning to ask if you want to have a mechanical keyboard segment. On the uh, movie club, and then you bring your boy in, and we'll then this, this I got this, content. I got this because my my uh my keyboard doesn't have ten key. Oh, you gotta like, have you a ten key. Gotta, you cannot uh, not just, have a ten key. That's a crime. I'll just supply oh. my own. And then look at my mouse. You, you like this, Kevin? Look at this. Look at the buttons on my mouse. That's, okay, I'm down <laughs> down for that. It's an uh, NES. Oh, this is the I side button. I actually won't here. even buy a laptop that doesn't have a ten key because I use ten key so much. Correct. All right, let's get into the actual movie club though. Our movie club this week is da 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 uh oh movies directed by. By a female director. Female directed Bay movies. Five. Bay five female directed movies. Uh so this is hard. Uh this is uh this is a difficult category uh because there's too many good movies for just five. That's the that's the problem. That's what so, makes this a good Fay Five. We had too many uh, in a row that were like Fay Five movies directed by this one person within this five year period. So Nathan decided to go hard mode on this one. 
Yeah. So, okay. Let's start with you, Brett. Brett, what's your first move you're going to put into our Fave 5? You get to put one straight in. Yep. I, you've never been in a Fave 5 before, so let, let me explain no. the, the, how it goes. We each get to put okay. one movie into the Fave 5, then we argue about the last two entries. You know, you kind of want to use your one on one that maybe you think you might have a hard time sneaking into the the top five. Okay. And then that way, you sure. know, you, but you don't want to use it on something that's outright bad. Me and Kevin have learned our lesson on this because usually what, what will happen is me and Kevin will change our movie after after we get <laughs> to the argument. Segment. Me and Kevin have yeah. both done it multiple times. Uh, okay, go ahead. What's your what's your uh, what's your All right. number one? Not just because it features his name. Uh, we need to talk about Kevin, directed by uh, Lynn Ram Ramsey. Uh, okay. I saw this movie. It's a psychological uh, horror movie. But without really giving anything away, I think it's way better than it should be. And, you know, I'm not I can't really articulate what makes a movie good or bad or what have you. But obviously the direction in this movie makes it fantastic. This is like one of my favorite movies I've seen in quite some time. It's just just great. And it has John C. Riley. So if you're going to argue for it not to be on here, I I would have some more words for you. Um. Uh, Okay, here's here's my thing about we talked about Kevin. We need to talk about Kevin, all right? Is is Ezra Miller even acting in this movie? <laughs> good, good points. Good points. Because yeah, he plays just like uh the the worst person. You mean it's like that movie where Jared Leto plays a creep and you're like, yeah. Some <laughs> some might one? argue the role he was born to play. Yeah. Yeah, so um yeah, I mean, they should have called Super Nanny. That's that was the real problem. Okay, uh, the, wow. Okay, that's a good choice though. I'm I'm totally good with it. I just Wait. wanted I just wanted to make my Ezra Miller joke, uh, no. just just because like he is the worst person now. I'm I'm glad that you did. All right, uh, you want me to go next, Kevin, or you want to go? Uh, I'm good either way. Okay, I'll go. I'll go next. Uh, Lost in Translation, 2003. So good. Such a such a great movie. Uh, it's like so like. It's so hard to describe what's great about this movie. Um, I will say this. I have not watched it in like 10 plus years. So there is a chance that this movie has aged exceptionally poorly. <laughs> and um, I'm just like totally out on an island here. But like, I will say I, just I think... watched it. Uh, let's see. I actually have. I watched it like three years ago. And okay. uh, it's still like, I think, I think it's still interesting. Like there are people that might be kind of weird about the relationship between uh bill murray murray and scarlett johansson's characters but i think it still hits all the same notes that it hit that made it as successful as it was when it came out do you think that's because we know that in real life since that movie came out that bill murray's like a big creep like does that like seep into your opinion of of that dynamic uh okay here's here's one thing i can i just say uh one thing i like about movies like this is when um you know, like the expected Hollywood ending of this movie would be like Bill Murray stays in Japan and starts a jazz band with Scarlett Johansson. And instead mm-hmm. you get like this more like kind of melancholy ending where and I like movies that do that stuff. That's what I like so much about. Even La though La you La don't Land. like when movies make you sad. I want to feel something. This movie at the end made me feel a little bit. And I I like this. It's a it's reflective. This film's very reflective. You kind of pondering the the nature of like all the different relationships of the characters. Um, the chemistry between Bill Murray and Scarlett Johansson is just really like energetic, even though it's like not it's it's a slow movie, but it just the relationship between the characters really work for me. They're um, both really good at face acting and like acting with their body language. And um, it make it, it kind of makes 
a lot of the scenes more interesting because there's a number of scenes where like the like their interactions are quieter or you're seeing like the one seeing the other across the room or whatever and so like that that uh that physical acting as opposed to like voice acting um really comes into play and it's really strong in this one and then i agree like the writing on the context they give the decision making for the characters like if they make a decision where you're like that's a mistake you're also saying they're like that's a mistake i 100 percent understand why a person would make like you're, you're never just I, like, I think like no, go ahead. I think go like ahead. there's there's a nice like isolation, you know, like the the feeling mm-hmm. of isolation you have when you're a person in a foreign country. I think they really captured that in a way that that is still interesting to at least think about. Okay, uh, Kevin, hit me. All right, this I'm is really difficult because there were uh, two directors I really wanted to uh, to take a look at, and I don't think either of these would get um, one of the other slots in here. Uh, so uh, I was looking at either. Um, Tell me both. I'll, I'll, maybe I can tilt you one way or the other. Go, go for it. Okay. I'm ready. So I, I was looking at uh, either Tomboy or uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, um, which are uh, French. So I've films. only seen I've only seen Portrait Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I've never seen Tomboy. So I can't uh, help so you. I'm sorry. I think it's you say it's Siyama or Skiyama. I don't know how you say her last name, but um, she like her cinematography, like the way she like has the cinematography set up in these movies is really beautiful and there's there's a lot of really quality direction happening in them but um Mm -hmm. i'm gonna go for a movie where i the the writing directing combination is just really easy to appreciate and uh knowing who the writer director is i think really helps with the personal feel of the movie and that's uh the farewell um which is uh lulu wang 2019 aquafina uh was the lead actress um, and this movie feels like just very intimate. Like the scale is very small in a time where a lot of movies are, um, big and everyone has to save the world. This is like someone struggling with their own identity and being able to like, you know, uh, merge the fact that they, uh, like how they see themselves with how their family sees them or how their family thinks that they should be. It's, it's, um, kind of that secondary coming of age, like post-college graduate, um, which I think is an interesting time to explore. Uh, the The comedy lands really well. Um, the whole thing's shot in a really like personal way. The dialogue is really clever and feels like the way people actually talk. It's just, it's really good. And the fact that she both wrote and directed it, um, I, I really want to give her a lot of credit for that. Um, all right. Do you guys want to start just now naming uh female directors? Can I just can I just talk about Claire Denis for a second? I don't really yeah. love Claire Denis movies, but I really respect like everything she makes. It's so different. Um, if you want to get if you're like a auteur and you just want to watch something that's like someone who has like a really strong voice and is saying interesting things, watch Claire Denis movies, Beau Travail or High Life or uh starts at stars at noon, Trouble Every Day. Like th- there's a bunch, there's several of them. They're they're good. They're like okay, good is maybe not the right word. Because I didn't, I don't love all of these well movies, made. but I think they're well made and they're they have a point of view. They're saying something. They're like trying to do a thing, which I think is is respectable. Um, I mean, I High Life it. was one of High Life was one of the weirdest theater experiences of my entire <laughs> life. And so, um, That's a weird. I think that would be a weird. Uh, if you've seen, if you saw that movie, if you've seen that movie, um, I just want you to know that afterwards. Uh, I got in a pun competition with my friend trying to rename the movie and he went with Seaminster Stellar and I went with 
2001 a space odyssey so anyway um <laughs> let's uh let's go okay city of god and shrek okay i, I want to <laughs> i know these movies have nothing to do with each other but i wanted to bring them up both they're co-directed are can are, can they be in contention or no uh if you want co-directed sure. i would one, i would one man, say one no for uh, at least City of God, because it seems to be pretty well established that uh, Fernando, uh, I think it's Mary's, um, like did the bulk of the directing. And so I don't I don't want to get in the debate over like what exactly it means, whether a movie was female directed or not. OK, Sh- Shrek, when the hits stop coming, in. Shrek is a good movie. I don't care what anyone says. You can tell me you think this is. is a bad movie. I will I will fight you to the death. This is a good movie. Um, I will say this, uh, it's really weird to put Leonard Cohen's hallelujah into a animated children's <laughs> film. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, I'll bring, bring up some other movies, uh, book smart. Yep. I like uh, whip movie. it whip by it. Drew Barrymore, but she's anti-labor. So I'm not gonna put it in my day five. Uh, the newer Candyman. Newer Candyman. Excellent. Yeah, good one. Per- Persepolis. Oh own. yeah. League of Their Own. Fantastic. Kevin, have uh, you seen, have you seen Persepolis? Uh, it's an animated no. film. No, um, it's an except. It's an exceptional uh, graphic novel. Um, anyway, it was the same year Ratatouille was in the Academy Awards, and Ratatouille okay. won. And uh, I will just say this: um, a, a, a body as pretentious as the Academy should never have given <laughs> the <laughs> Ratatouille the award over this movie. This movie is uh, is it's like a very serious movie about 1970s or 1979 Iranian revolution. Like it's like really good. All right. There's an obvious one that we're, that we're, that we're uh, skipping the matrix. That's gotta be in, right? That's one of the five. Yeah. Correct. The matrix, yeah, ma- the me. matrix, you will, matrix get, rules. you will get absolutely zero argument from me. Fuck. That is one of the best the, movies of the, all time. The matrix right, how is how like about, so crazy. Do we agree that go to a Catherine Bigelow movie? No. Okay. I feel like there's definitely a movie. Would you? I feel like I feel like Hurt Locker should be in the running for it. I feel like Detroit should be in the running for it. I Uh, had really well. I would take I would take Zero Dark Thirty over both of those movies if I'm being completely honest. I I had two. I love Zero Dark Thirty. Let's roll Zero Dark Thirty. Okay. What do you got? What about what? What about K19 The Widowmaker? It's got Liam Neeson. It's got Liam Neeson in it. My two you, aren't you are that fingers. strong. Okay, Kevin, but... if, if we're going to do a Point Break movie and we want to really make this our podcast, you know what movie it has to be. Clueless. No. That's not a Catherine Bigelow. What are you talking about? It's not a Catherine Bigelow movie, but I thought we were arguing about the fifth spot. Point Blank. Point Break. It's got to yeah, be that... Point Break. If we're going to do a Catherine Bigelow yeah, movie, true. and this is going to be our list, it's got to be Johnny Utah. <laughs> it's got to be Point of... Break. How you know, I'm, identity, you know, I'm right. You know, I'm right. How much of the identity of this podcast group is, uh, myself excluded, is uh, owed to Point Break? I feel like it's at least like five percent. Another thing too is Somewhere this is, is the opportunity to make two fifths of the top five movies that star Keanu Reeves. Okay, that's that's now we're at the real reason. All right, so Point Break is the last one. I think so. Oh yeah. So we have, I, I mean, any movie, any movie that has Anthony Kiedis as as tone in it is. A, I like. I like a, how uh, seriously we took the part where we picked our individual ones this time, so that we could we could really muck around. Can I? And, can, I can I say one more thing? Uh, Watchmen 2019, the television series, is I think one of uh, a five star 
television experience that many of the episodes were directed by Nicole Cassell. And it's really good. I have been meaning to see that since, since uh, 2019. Just want yeah. people to watch it. I don't, I'm not trying to argue that we put a TV show in a movie. Favorite. What'd you think of the movie, Nathan? Bad. Yes. <laughs> not bad. Uh, not horrible. Vicious out of the TV show, which is as far yes. as I got, uh, the, the boldness, which with they chose what to open with was excellent and uh, very well done. The, the world, the world built, they go some more, they go right into the world building. They're like, this I knew is, you were this going to say bad and I just wanted a chance to, to put bad. into the universe now. It's not, it's not a good movie. You know, I like to dunk on Zack Snyder. I'm not going to miss paint, an opportunity. Paint by the numbers. I miss an go. opportunity to do that. No. Um, that okay. one should not. In society. Uh, right. Okay. Uh, there we go. So just well, to recap, recap, the Matrix. The Matrix. My dad. My dad's favorite movie. Uh, just yep. a, all, an all-time great. Just an honest point break. We need to talk about Kevin. Uh, what was your French film? You picked Kevin, or was it? I no, you ended up not picking a French film. Fair, the Farewell. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. And then I picked, of course, Lost in Translation. All right, for uh, Kevin, for Brett, for the Ghost of Eric. We'll see you next week, and uh, go Hawks. <laughs>